grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation today, the Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 50, and also the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Luke 11, verse 4. Jesus teaches us to pray. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you would, grab your hymnals, either that or reach back into your memory bank from what you uh, memorized in catechism class. Page 324 in our hymnal. Luther's small catechism, the fifth petition. Page 324. We know that Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer. The fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? Let's read it together, shall we? We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayers because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them all to us by grace. For we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. We will gladly forgive those and do good to those who sin against us. How often don't those words get stuck right here in our throat? It's no coincidence that the meanings to the petition and this particular meaning to this particular position are the least remembered of all the parts of Luther's small catechism. We love the forgiveness of sins. But when God's word says that we should forgive one another, well, now God's getting a little too personal. Now, it starts to hurt. My friends, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, there's a definite order to the petitions. The first three petitions, God is teaching us how he works in the world and that we are to pray for that to go unhindered. His name is hallowed. His will is done. His kingdom comes. And in spite of the fact that we are poor, miserable sinners and have destroyed his creation, God continues to bless us and give us our daily bread, everything we need to support this body and life. The last three petitions, Jesus teaches us to pray for those things that will take us from life here to life everlasting, fully and completely with our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. We pray for the forgiveness of sins. We pray that God would not lead us into temptation. 
And we pray that he would deliver us from this evil world and take us to himself in heaven. Heaven. That's God's design and purpose for us. That's where the Christian wants to go. Heaven. So, how do we get there? We're sinners. No sin is allowed in heaven. We need the forgiveness of sin. It's our only hope. Jesus told the disciples, I'm going away and I will prepare a place for you. Heaven. Thomas, with some honesty, says, Lord, we, we really don't know where you're going. So how can we possibly know the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life because he is the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life because Jesus, God in the flesh, placed himself under the law and fulfilled it perfectly. He kept it on our behalf. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life because he took your sins and my sin and the sin of the whole world all the way to Calvary's cross. He bled and died on the cross for you, for me, for all sin, for all people, for all time. God's word is clear. As Jesus hung on the cross, he was the greatest sinner in the history of mankind. Not that Jesus had sinned, but that all of the sin of the world had been laid on him, had been imputed to him. Jesus paid for it all. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life because Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, victorious over sin, death, and the grave for you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because only through the forgiveness of sins earned by Jesus Christ do we gain heaven. You believe that what Jesus did for the whole world, he did for you? Heaven is yours. God's word is clear. Well, that doesn't mean we're living in heaven. We live on earth. Heaven is a guarantee. Something in the future. We have, we have heaven in the forgiveness of sins right here, right now. We have it like a, like a vision in a mirror. One day we'll have it fully and completely. My friends, we have heaven, but we're not in heaven. And Jesus knows this. He knows that we're poor, miserable sinners. That's why he taught us 
the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer. He knows that we need the forgiveness of sins. Because we sin, as we confessed, daily and much. Jesus knew ahead of time that we would sin and that we would struggle with sin. And so he teaches us to pray for the forgiveness of sins. In Matthew's gospel, the Lord's Prayer is translated, forgive us our debt. And some churches and some liturgies have the Lord's Prayer that way. Forgive us our debts. Luke trespasses. It's not one is right and one is wrong. To put the two together teaches us that every time we sin, that's what a trespass is, every time we sin, we create a debt. A debt with God. The more we sin, the higher the debt. My friends, if Jesus has not taken away your debt, then it is up to you. See to it yourself. That's a frightening thought, isn't it? How could we ever be sure that we had done enough? How could we ever be sure that our debt was really paid for? We would either excuse our sin, our debt, or we would justify ourselves. Well, that's not really a sin, so that one doesn't count. Well, that was her fault. That was his fault. We would blame others. We would invent every kind of spiritual activity to get rid of our sin. And it wouldn't work. Because there is forgiveness only in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. My friends, God promises the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus forgives. It really forgives. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. When God forgives you, He gives you power. Not, not power over God. God's word of law telling us right from wrong. God's word of gospel forgiving our sin is always supreme. But in the forgiveness of sins, He gives a power. The power to forgive others. You hear that? In the forgiveness of sins, He gives you, dear Christian, the power to forgive sin. Now, in the church, we have the office of the holy ministry. This isn't a contradiction in teaching. God calls pastors. And pastors have power. <laughs> What kind of power? To preach the word, to administer the sacraments, and to forgive sins publicly on behalf of the church. The threefold power of the office of the keys. But my friends, 
You do not have to be a called and ordained servant of the word to forgive. When someone is filled with guilt or shame because of their sin, you can speak the comforting words of the gospel to them. You can tell them that Jesus died for them. You can tell them that Jesus paid for their sins. They may or not may or may not believe it. But that power to forgive is yours. If someone doesn't believe the gospel, it's because they don't think they need it. There's a lot of that going on today. If you don't sin, you don't need the gospel. If your sins are no big deal, you don't need the gospel. That's why the church must proclaim the law of God in all its sternness, in all its strictness, and in all its severity. Because the law prepares the heart to receive the forgiveness of sins. The good news of the gospel. My friends, Jesus bore everyone's sins. He rose from the dead to provide the forgiveness of sins for all people. You are forgiven. And now, God wants you to forgive others. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, it's the only thing that we promise. We promise to forgive those who sin against us. We don't promise to forgive all people in general. We promise to forgive those who have sinned against us, against me, who have hurt me, who have offended me. This is what we promise in the Lord's Prayer. We don't promise to forgive those who deserve forgiveness, who have earned forgiveness, who have begged for forgiveness. Love forgives. God calls us to forgive our enemies. Well, of course, we can forgive our friends and our family members and our spouse too. But there are many in this life that we really don't want to deal with, that we don't want to forgive. There are enemies. My friends, isn't it a good thing that God doesn't treat us the way we treat so many others? God didn't wait for us to ask for a Savior. Divine love motivated Him to send a Savior. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait until we cleaned up our act. He didn't wait until we begged with a properly sincere heart. 
He sent Jesus. He provided forgiveness. We are the beneficiaries of this forgiveness. And as the forgiven children of God, we are given the power to forgive others. But not only the power. No, so much more. God gives us the desire to forgive others. That's where the rubber hits the road, doesn't it? God changes our hearts so that we want to forgive our enemies. We want to forgive those who have hurt us. We want to share the forgiveness that God has freely given us. To refuse to forgive those who have sinned against us is like a spiritual poison injected into our vein that soon permeates every part of our being. The refusal to forgive others who have sinned against us is like a cancer that eats us alive from the inside out. A faith-destroying cancer. My friends, rather than forgive, what do we all too often do? We hold a grudge. We look for ways to get even. And we hate. I know, it's a strong word. But we do. We hate. Over the last several years, we have all witnessed more hate than anyone could have possibly imagined. There is political hate. There is economic hate. There is hate in families because of scientific hate or medical hate. You don't like what's going on? Hate! Burn it all down! If you don't have the particular right life that matters, hate! We see it in churches. We see it in families. My friends, the worst part is when we hate, we act like we're standing on some high principle. Oh yeah, I deserve the right to hate. We're a social justice warrior because we hate the right thing. My friends, we know better. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we know better. There is no place for hate in the life of a Christian. When we feel guilt, shame, a grudge, or hatred well up inside of us and attempt to exert its satanic control over us, 
We are facing a deadly enemy. And we turn to the cross. Oh, sure. We consider the wrong done against us. We consider the hurt, the pain, the apathy on the other side, the lack of repentance. And we look to the one who knows hate, who bore the hate of all the haters in this world, in his body, in his flesh, all the way to death. We look to Jesus, who looked at hate head on and conquered it. My friends, with regard to those who have sinned against us, we forgive them. And then we pray for their repentance, that they would join us too in the heaven that God freely provides. He's not teaching us to condone sin. He's teaching us to forgive it. There's a big difference, one that we don't like to think about. Jesus didn't condone sin on Calvary's cross. He paid for it. And that's the forgiveness you have. And now with that forgiveness, God calls you to forgive one another. You know, at the beginning I said our sermon was going to be about Genesis chapter 50. We haven't gotten there, have we? How does this play out in real life? What does this look like in our families? It's our Old Testament reading. It's right there. Many of us remember from Sunday school, from Bible story time, the story of Joseph and his multicolored coat. His coat of many colors. His multicolored technicoat. Thank you, Donnie Osmond. Jacob, his father, loved Joseph more than his other brothers. And how did his brothers react? They hated him. They hated him with every fiber of their being. They hated him and they wanted him to die. Well, I guess maybe that's a little extreme, a couple of the brothers said. Let's just sell him off as slavery and say a wild animal killed him. Yeah, that's much more loving and caring. Their hatred for their brother Joseph was stronger than their love for their dad. They broke his heart when they told him Joseph was dead. They knew it was a lie, but they didn't care. Hate ruled their lives. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame that they must have had every day as they saw their father weeping and wailing and mourning over the son that it was gone? And yet their hate was too strong to confess their sin. Joseph, meanwhile, Joseph clung to the promises of God, sold off into slavery, ending up in prison, He knew that God had not forsaken him. He didn't know the details. 
But he clung to the word of God. He clung to the promises of God. And in time, God delivered him. He interpreted the dreams of the Pharaoh. The worldwide drought and famine came just as God said it would. And Joseph is now second in command. He's in charge of all the food. Before long, Joseph's brothers are starving to death. Where do they go? They go to Egypt. They hear there's food there. They didn't recognize their brother, but Joseph recognized them. What did Joseph do? Exact his pound of flesh. Make them pay. No. He loved them. He forgave them. He welcomed them into his home and his country, his new country. Our text is at the end of the story. Jacob's dead. What do Joseph's brothers do? Oh, they plot and they scheme and they lie some more. Why? Because they don't believe in the forgiveness of sins. Oh, Joseph must be acting. He's only treating us nice because dad's alive. Oh, when he's gone, we're in trouble. They didn't believe that someone could actually forgive sins. So they manipulated. They manipulated the word. They manipulated even their father's words after he was dead. Trying to coerce the forgiveness of sin out of their brother. My friends, forgiveness cannot be coerced. Forgiveness is freely given. That's what Joseph did once again for his brothers. His lying, scheming, deceitful brothers. Joseph forgave them. How could he do it? Only because the love of Christ, because the forgiveness of sins lived and dwelled in his heart. My friends, to forgive someone who has sinned against you is the most difficult thing to do on this side of heaven. God gives you the forgiveness of sins. He gives you the power to forgive others. And He gives you the desire to forgive others. He strengthens that power and desire. Every time you hear the word of God and feast on Christ's body and blood. My friends, we sin daily and much. God calls us not only to believe the forgiveness of sins, but to forgive others as God has forgiven us. My friends, starting today and every tomorrow after. May we truly pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, 
our forgiveness in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.